everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of Comics and Kaijus. Joining us is a brand new member, Austin Albin. Introduce yourself, Austin. How you doing? Hey, well, thank you for uh, having me here, guys. I appreciate the invite. I am more than honored to finally be a part of Project Louder and the Comic and Kaiju crew. It is a absolute honor. You have no idea. Guys, uh, I have been... Loving comics, been loving kaiju for as long as I could walk. Grew up on the old G-Man Godzilla and grew up with as many comics as my parents could find me as a kid. So I grew up doing it all and it carried over because, you know, I'm 28. But you know what they say, you never really grow up. So the, that's a motherfucking the, fact. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the, the track stuck. I've been loving comics and kaiju since. Well, man, we're happy to have you here, bro. And joining us today as a special guest star is the host with the motherfucking most, TJ Bowser. How you doing? Hello, everybody. <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> I never get tired of your intros, bro. <laughs> this fucking dude. So let's do our uh, slice of life. How you doing today, Cameron? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, instead of our usual late night antics um midday fun uh midday fun <laughs> midday fun yeah uh nothing happening with me uh just doing my normal thing working fucking sucks such is life yeah uh, i feel you there <laughs> true such is life and tj how's your week been such going man life. very productive you know signing a bunch of podcasts to the network trying to grow a little bit but not too fast you know got to keep things contained as to not overwhelm myself gotta keep a little uh special attention to every show that comes through the network i don't want anyone to get lost in the mix uh that'd be unfair or lost in the sauce lost in the sauce the very very thick sauce may i, <laughs> may I add uh True. with that being said may i explain uh we are recording patreon content so our content library is extra thick and i can't wait to release that all to you that'll be a project louder patreon and it's gonna be delicious and i think the highest tier is going to be called the jive turkey and you're going to get a lot of shit and you're going to be a jive fucking turkey so stay tuned for that that. uh we got a couple new shows premiering over the next couple of weeks we're going to be announcing a new show today on the rabbit hole podcast i will be uh, joined by gramlin eve painter and his friend or new co-host Find out. Tune in at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Project Louder Facebook and Instagram. So, guys, who's next? I think we got Austin for the Slice Life. How's your week been going, man? It has been going good. Ever since COVID, lost my old job for seven years, started something new. Been a whole new experience. Been learning. Been driving. Been going. Been grinding. Nothing has slowed down. Uh finally started going back to the gym two weeks ago since our gyms here locally in the south have started coming back into rotations of life starting Mm -hmm. to see normality return is a nice fresh breath of air i think a lot of people have been needing and wanting to see so that's been a good you know uplifting uh you know experience of recent and then you know getting to be able to come on here is just honestly the cherry on top of my week sunday so Hey, man, we're That's glad to hear we can make your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to say, bro, it feels nice being able to uh, actually walk into both entrances of Walmart now instead of one with a line hey, going outside. 
it's pro <laughs> it's progress little my by little corona. yeah it's it's been it's been crazy down here in the southern regions of the world especially because uh it's been a, a bit more rampant down here and mm. it's been slowly starting to come back you know we've football's returning you know sports are coming back it's like it's almost like the uh you know the like nature's coming back thing it's like oh look the wild football nature's returning you know <laughs> it's the world's kind of getting back into a semi-normal swing which is good and i hope that we continue this upward motion of getting better and getting back into the world i agree but i hope we keep it at a safe pace absolutely no need to rush so on this episode we watched mothra 1961 cameron go ahead and take it away all right um mothra um uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I think everyone has heard of mothra at some point and they're it's probably the one that people make fun of the most um i mean it's kind of easy it's a giant fucking moth <laughs> uh uh you see Mothra tag along with Godzilla in later films. Uh, little do people know she had her own standalone film back in the 60s, 1961. Um, great little film. Awesome destruction. Uh, you get to see the twin fairies for the first time. Uh, you'll see them multiple times in other films. Uh, so let's just go off with... Um, basic plot rundown basically these uh fishermen i think that's what they are um they don't explain who they are they crash on an island during a storm and they say oh there were these natives that helped us out when they got rescued um and a rescue team goes in and they're doing all this research and they find out that this island that was tested on uh back in the 50s uh using nuclear bombs and stuff like that they find out that there was life on the island there was there were natives there and the island has been twisted uh, because of the whole radiation and they find out that there's these two little twin fairies that like are psychologically like i don't know how to describe it they kind of connected they're yeah, i was gonna say like a telekinetic yeah. Yeah, they're te telekinetically uh connected. Telekinetically to connected. <laughs> their, yeah. To their god, uh who they worship, Mothra. Um and there's this greedy businessman um from this made up it's basically like a stand-in for the United States or even the Soviet Union. True. Um I forget what it's called, Realistica or something like that. Um and he basically kidnaps these twin fairies and uses them for his his like business show. I don't know what the fuck you call it. Almost like a it was like a musical circuit. or something. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. Um, it's kind of similar to King Kong. They bring the they bring King Kong over, kidnap them, and shit goes bad. Um, and the twin fairies they sing to Mothra, and Mothra's fucking pissed. Um, so she comes over and destroys Tokyo looking for the fairies. Uh, but you don't see Mothra in her moth form till like the last yeah, quarter of the film. Last, the yeah, like last 10, 15 minutes. You yeah, finally yeah, the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. 
yeah, most of the films you see Mothra as her, her caterpillar form. It, it, yeah. It looks like a crawling turd. That's what it looks like. Yeah, um, just swimming across. Okay, the but let's let's be fair. It's, it looks a lot better than the the like the future incarnations because the future incarnations it looks like they just like got a, a a bundle of leather and just tied some rope around it and put a face on it. I think I think what they did for this Mothra for like the larva stage is they actually had someone inside of it. Um, that's why it looks bigger because all the other I ones so. that you see. All the other they ones look, that you see, they look animatronic. On. Like you know, I think puppeteer. they're all animatronics. Um, yeah, this actually looks like it's like part suitmation, and the other part is animatronics. Um, plus, there's a lot of detail on it, which is pretty cool. Um, you see like all the, like the hair, and you see like bumps veins and stuff like that. Stuff like that. You see veins, yeah, it's yeah, cool. Um, and then later on, it's just kind of like this fucking piece of shit. Yeah, it looks bad um, later for sure. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. <laughs> it just um, looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is this I really like uh Superai's work for like of course. The Mothra looks awesome in her moth form. Uh, that was um, the prettiest I've ever seen Mothra. Like as far as that that puppet or that suit or that creation, Superai just he just he painted a picture with a character. Mm-hmm. It looks it made her. It also it when when her wings flap, it looks quite realistic. It looks like a giant moth. Yeah. Um, What's kind of sad to me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it just just a no, quick no, point no. out with the suit. The the one thing that's sad to me is just thinking in my head here uh, from seeing Mothra in that such of an elevated state, like as far as like the suit and the creation goes to know that they really just they use the same thing and age took its effect to see that Mothra and then put it over into the same aspect of when Godzilla versed Mothra, the suit decline from time, how like her yeah, colors luckily, aren't as vibrant and it's just noticeable. Yeah, luckily the time between Mothra and Godzilla versus Mothra wasn't a lot. So like the suits, the, they still look pretty good. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I think the last time we see the Mothra suit is in Ebera horror of the deep. And it does it's not bad. look good at all. It, it <laughs> it's falling not, apart. This, it's you can see it's rotting and it's just, it's awful. Well, the it's Goji suits rotting too. Both of them are. Yeah, they really prolonged the use of all these like suits and stuff. They wanted to use them as much as possible. Um, Very much so. And you you can even see like the leftovers mm-hmm. of the suits used in other kaiju pro of uh, like projects, like Ultraman. They use some of the suits. They, I think they used a Godzilla suit for one. Scene. They used a Godzilla um, suit. And they put like gills on him or something. And yeah, it was like a paint on like him. A real yeah. Lizard. Um, and you see, like, if you look real closely, if you notice things, like if you examine the feet of like this monster from Ultraman and like the suit from Godzilla versus Mothra, they're the exact same. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of those in that time, in their defense, it was a time where they had to repurpose, they had to recycle and do as much as they physically can to be able to stretch that dollar considering how much each one of these suits were costing just on just alone, just to create, they were yeah. super expensive. They couldn't, and they couldn't just create new suits for each film that they made very it much. Would, it would just cost too much. It'd be a waste of money. If they had yeah, a suit already, budget, might as well maybe. use it. 
half the budget would have went into suiting. Absolutely. Yeah. Then, you know, it's not even accounting for everything else it's going to cost to create the film. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about this budget. 200 million yen for this, which I have no that, clue what that translates to in U.S. dollars. It's I, it's about a million nine hundred thousand dollars in. Is that adjusted US for inflation? Or, what is, is that, that for inflation? I have no idea. Um, that's just direct translation from that amount of money to that's to just, yeah. I'm not. I would assume. Sure. I would assume that's present day because. That much money for back then, that would have been yeah, that's one a of the most expensive films ever made at that point. But I think that sounds about right for, I mean, the cost that it took to create the film, you know, in comparison, do we have how much it actually made back in box office? Um, the box office? Uh, I don't think we could find, did we ever I'm find that? Look yeah, look, look that up real quick. Uh, but the budget for 200 mil, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly certain that was average for a lot of the, the kaiju movies back in the day. Yeah, and at least for some of the earlier ones. Absolutely. Um, and considering how early this film was in the kaiju era back then, which I would I would even consider it being its infancy, infancy stage, you know, with mm-hmm. the creation of Goji, Rodan, Mothra, you know, yes. Toho is is straight up creating their foundation off of the ability to stretch the littlest dollar to the largest amount of profit. And yeah. honestly, if it wasn't for them stretching this ground, they would have never been able to create the imp- like the absolutely unarguably one of the strongest international empires of filmmaking in the mm-hmm. world. Just regardless. Godzilla is a cash cow for Japan. It still absolutely. is. Um, it's one of their biggest moneymakers, um, which is very fucking impressive. Very much so. Um, that's very impressive. I don't know of any other like character that or any kind of object really that is that much of a money maker for a country. It's internationally you know? recognizable. It's, inter- it's yeah. You see the giant monster. You see the giant moth. It's like oh my god, Godzilla Mothra. Absolutely. And um, that's one of the things that I've always loved about Godzilla is it's it's his ability to stand the test of time. It's just definitely it's it's never slowed down. It, like even it nowadays, seems like, it seems like a timeless character. I don't. I, I believe that Godzilla and Mothra and all these other characters are going to be around Question. by the time I die. Oh, I yeah. guarantee you, these characters are still. They're going to be still pumping out fucking films. How oh, many other so. standalone Mothra films are there? How many standalone Mothra films? Only this one. Only this. Well, Mothra. that's a lie. I, I'm wrong. There are three other films that were released. I call it during the Heisei period. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the 80, like 90s. That's when it was. No, that um, was the Heisei. I would say that's right. Because that's when yeah, totally it was late Heisei 80s, over. 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there were three films. There was Mothra, I think, Rebirth of Mothra. Mm-hmm. Um Mothra two something I forget because I, I haven't watched them. Um, no, I I didn't. I haven't, I haven't seen any of them. Um, I seen... have. <laughs> That's the. <laughs> yeah, I have the little figure from the series from those movies. If I'm being uh, honest, seeing Mothra like we did, like I did for for this to watch this, I was never a 
you know, avid looker at it, well, viewer of the other kaiju movies when I was a kid, I was mainly a Godzilla fan. So I watched mainly yeah. Godzilla films. So I knew Mothra passively through Godzilla. So mm-hmm. when I Same. found out, you know, Mothra had her own movie, I, you know, we, I, I was just like, wow, I had no idea. And then, you know, I started like looking at my history of it and looking at uh, trying to understand where Mothra came from. And found out that Toho created all of these. Like, you know, after Godzilla's success, they're just like, hey, let's bam, 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 bam. Let's keep the train rolling. And then after, you know, Godzilla raids mm-hmm. again, that fiasco happened. They were like, okay, well, we need to do something different. Let's focus on something else other than Godzilla. Yeah, like let let the big G have a rest for a second. And let's get mm-hmm. something else out there into the world, which I think they did a fantastic job with, with mm-hmm. the creation of Rodan and the creation of Mothra. Because look at them. They've lived on today in 2019. They we just lived saw them. We on. saw them in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Exactly. Characters that were, created in the, characters. that were created in the 50s and the 60s is not only still living and vibrant, but they're still a commodity that is searched for in not only the story creation, but as a fan base. And I say Definitely. that's something that, could ab- that absolutely should be, you know, a, an accommodation for Toho and all of its creations and everything it's done. It should mm-hmm. really be a, a statement to their resolve and creation skills. Oh, totally. Yeah. The, uh, these characters, um, even though they're, they're just giant monsters, uh-huh. um, they still have a lot. They have a lot of character. Um, they have more character than some of the main characters of these films. Uh, Not just those films, a lot of films. A lot of films. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you're fucking up when uh, a giant monster or a giant moth has more character than whatever character they a speechless giant mom. yeah <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say speechless she screams i mean she screams yeah. <laughs> screeches and stuff like that so let's get down into our favorite scene tj what was yours oh the whole uh mothra rebirth scene coming out of the cocoon interesting Fucking i definitely liked it. the uh, music score for that one yeah it was, it was the really cutest good. plushie ever just bursting out of this fucking cocoon <laughs> yeah. can we just like take sweet. a quick note to say that when mothra went into the cocoon and like her old like later in the movies it looked like a cocoon like a legitimate cocoon of a like you know a mothra it looked like a ball sack i was gonna say mothra literally they were just like killer 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 and then she went up there onto the tower and just went these nuts and then became mothra yeah. like that was <laughs> yeah she she played everybody she played the entirety of the japan country it was it was great <laughs> I think, if i'm not wrong this is this and in gmk i'm not gonna say the entire fucking title fair enough are the only times that we actually see mothra turn into a moth um, i believe so because godzilla other- gmk we saw the whole process from start to finish this yes. one we saw it from start to finish what about destroy mm-hmm. all monsters She's just a larva in that one. She is, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in most of the films, like she's. I'm trying to think of everything larva, she's which been. Which is in. weird. It's weird. Yeah. Um, they couldn't oh, uh, reuse. Damn it! I'm I'm having a blank on the name of the film. It's the Hisei era movie where he fights Batara. Oh, um, because I know Mothra is in Mothra okay, so and Batara. The, there's. Does she appear Mothra. more in moth form in the later films of different eras? Yeah, so okay. you see Mothra as an adult in 
Okay, this is weird. So the the one the, the first Godzilla versus Mothra, I think it's called Godzilla versus Godzilla versus the Thing. Is no, one. no, yeah, that's the American title. In Japan, yeah. it was Mothra versus Godzilla yes. because Godzilla was the bad yeah. guy. And then in the Heisei area, there was Godzilla versus Mothra. So you have Mothra versus Godzilla and Godzilla versus Mothra. Don't get those confused, kid. <laughs> Don't get confused. We should totally get those confused. The fan base will get the pitchforks. <laughs> um, yeah, but you see, you do see Mothra transform in that. Mm-hmm. So you only see her transform in three films. And then I know in Destroy All Monsters, um, Ghidra the Three-Headed Dragon, or Three-Headed Monster, I think you're right on that one there. Yeah. The only thing I was thinking of was the uh, Godzilla versus Batara. I know that Mothra is there in adult form. She's even in the, you know, absolutely gorgeous poster art for oh, that. The, I love the posters from the Heisei era. They're so era, cool. Best poster art of any of the kaiju, like, line. Hell yeah. I will I will take that to the grave. That artwork is gorgeous and should be framed. I think they're all done by the same guy. I don't they know are. who did them. But I used to know the guy's name. Fan, he does a fantastic <laughs> job. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so, Austin, what was your favorite scene in the movie? Now, see, mine, mine's going to be a bit odd because it's 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 a singular shot in the in, in a frame that's it's happening. It's where uh, Mothra goes up the tower. The tower falls. And she decides to start cocooning herself. And she isn't fully cocooned. She isn't fully like where the webbing, you can barely see her. It's just when she's starting and there's that thin veil of the webbing in front of her. And she actually turns to her side and you can see that one blue eye Mm -hmm. glowing straight through the webbing. And it's like a five second shot. But I was like, fuck, that looked cool. (laughs) I never thought Mothra looked cool, but that aesthetic was just it was perfect for that one sequence i thought i was like damn mother be hitting different looking like that like it's <laughs> it's different she looked cool it was a very good actually shot. cameron thought that when i sent the uh roll 34 art stop that <laughs> what are you talking about that you traumatized me fuck yourself <laughs> Bastard. We were looking for that uh Mothra cream pie action. Stop! No, <laughs> talk about it. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh no. Hey, hey Cameron, on the down low, bro. If you ever want me to provide the sauce, I got you. No. He's got you. <laughs> you All Father will provide the sauce. Out. Oh damn it. Who did this with us? <laughs> Mothra. I don't think Mothra is a girl in this. I think they said it's a guy. Is it? They're like he will come over and destroy Japan, or and I thought they said she. I always version, Ma- Mothra was a she. That's how yeah, I always yeah, seen the goddess. That's what I always thought, and then yeah, I, yeah, because the fairies referred to her as she. All throughout, yeah, it's weird because the the Blu-ray that I have, um, the steel case, they said uh, they used he to refer to refer Everything to Mothra. On the Mothra Wikia refers to her as she. The uh the Blu-ray. The now I'm not the one to sit here and assume kaiju gender. I'm not gonna sit here and do that. Let, let <laughs> kaiju pick their own. Gender. When they come out of the co- their cocoon, let them pick. So <laughs> true. So okay. Cameron, other than the rule thirty-four art, what was your favorite part? You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, 
I'm probably gonna have to go with like Austin and TJ. The uh, the whole cocoon scene. I yeah. think that was awesome. Uh, I love. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to keep no, going. No, um, I like the the way the cocoon looks. Um, I like how she just knocks over the tower. It's an iconic shot. It um, is. It's very memorable. Um, and then when they try to kill Mothra using like these new heat weapons, mm-hmm. and the whole cocoon just like bursts into flame, and then Mothra pops out and is like "fuck you," <laughs> and then just proceeds to kill everybody. I live again. <laughs> it's awesome. It's just awesome. So I'm gonna take a different route than you guys because uh, my favorite scene was actually when that reporter went just fucking ultra instinct on like all of those fucking guards or whatever, (laughs) trying to like restrain them. And he just fucking unleashed the can of whoop ass on them. Fucking loved that scene. Can we take a minute (laughs) to talk about our boy there? How he like, I thought he was straight up just going to be the comedic relief. That's what I thought too. Yeah. The goofy guy who can't do shit. He's going to be completely written off. (laughs) Nothing special. He turns out to be the most baddest son of a bitch in that film. Not only that, he was the coolest. Like, Sam. I figured they were going to kill his ass off. Okay, so he beats up a group of people. Like, like guys himself. that are trained. Trained. <laughs> beats them up by himself. Has the ability to teleport onto a boat and swave his way off out of gunpoint. He yeah. saves a baby from a broken dam. Everyone's sitting there. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Homie's like, I got you. I ran like .5 on that 40. Bro, he just I goes. I also want to point out that there was a very like athletic guard that totally could have ran, and instead this reporter had bigger balls. No, he's not, he has bigger yeah. balls because he's the bulldog. He do what he wants. He gets in there. He gets what he wants. He gets in. <laughs> Bro, he's he's a bulldog for a reason. This, yeah, this guy. I I haven't seen this film in quite a few years. This um, is actually my first watch of it. So same. So, this is my first. I I completely like forgot how the characters are, and I see this fat chubby guy. And I'm like, ah, character relief or like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, relief. relief. That's yeah, how he's portrayed. <laughs> and then he turns out yeah. to be like, they accidentally make him the main character. <laughs> they do. Always at the center of the limelight. Oh yeah. They, 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 they want, I know that they want Chujo to be the main character and then absolutely chubby reporter is like the best character the whole film (laughs) absolutely like he was more memorable than any for sure oh yeah the only reason i remember chujo was because of let's do an analysis okay you want to say mistakenly or they did it on accident let's do an analysis they present him as the comedic relief and then do their job as screenwriters to show an evolution of that character throughout the length of the film from comedic relief role into the action star that he is by the end. And you see him as Mm. the hero of the film and kind of everything that he did. It was kind of like a buildup to him ultimately returning the, what the fairies to Mothra. So, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. That his subplot is so important. You know, that God. evolution we don't even see in some modern movies. No, you know? no. yeah. Like what, what you're saying, like taking like taking down from the you know the comedic that we're doing into like more, turning this into a serious look at it. Yeah. What you said is exactly what he was, and the screenwriters did that expertly. They they took a character and they adverted our you know what we expected to happen. They adverted it and turned it into not only just us like being wowed at this person's development, but it's an actual character development 
of a character in the film, we see them grow instead of it just being uh, getting our hand held and being like, look at how good he is. Let's go this way. Come on. You can do it. No, they they literally wrote him into growing to being bolder and taking risks and defending his friends, doing the honorable thing and becoming much more than just the slapstick funny guy that was sitting there having yeah. a rat run through his pants like exactly. 20 minutes ago. And it made him just such a three-dimensional character. I honestly just expect him to just be in the background, just there. That's it. Yeah. Nothing oh, else. yeah. Bro, carried the fucking movie. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> he was very he was very likable. Even, it, like, the, the comedic standpoint, it wasn't overdone. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um. It was just enough. Like there were funny parts in there, um, and he was a very likable character. Um, mm-hmm. And then you like him even more because he starts to become a badass. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, he risks his life so many times. <laughs> he risks his so life for for friends, for colleagues, and for random mm-hmm. people. Random he, babies. Like, he random saves the babies. Baby. That, Literally, I mean, was- if he would have been a second <laughs> later, he would have been fucking toast. I, I mean, don't know if you have let- anything in your show notes to address pacing. But this film was extremely well paced for an hour and a half as well. Yes. Oh, yes. it really is. We should for probably sure. add that to the notes, not going to lie. It, there's Because I know with a lot of Godzilla films, it's usually... Slow buildup? No, it's usually the, how Godzilla film, like the later ones go on. It's people talking, monster fight. People talking. A lot talking. of people talking, then end monster fight. That's big, how it goes. Big fight, big bird, yeah. big monster. Like, yeah. it's, this, it's predictable. There's this for, for this film. There's a lot of it. Kind of mixes in. Um, there's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters are they're not boring because that's what a lot of the later Godzilla films have are boring human characters, and you don't want to give a shit about them. Uh, these characters are actually quite likable. Yeah, you gotta uh, also think like back in the day, like when they were creating those Godzilla films, they knew what their audience was there for. It's the same reason why back in the day here in the U.S., when they took Michael Myers and Jason out of the Friday and the Halloween franchise, and they they fucked up, so they put them back it. in, and they just retconned them back into the the genre and the franchise just to appease the fans. It's the same principle with what they were doing over at Toho with Godzilla. They the earlier films, it was more than just a monster movie. It was a symbol. It was yeah, they, they a had message. a message. It was meant to be something. It was they more all, than just a dude in a suit. All the early Godzilla films are like Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan. They all had a message, basically anti-nuclear. Anti- anti-nuclear and war. Because um, back in the 50s and early 60s, People were terrified um, of the nuclear age and the possible side effects that could come with testing nuclear weapons. Um, Very much so. Obviously, nowadays, we're like, oh, I'll just give you cancer. But back then, nobody really knew. They were like, oh, you know, it could make my pet lizard into like a 50-meter tall fire-breathing demon. Let's not bring the 98 Zilla into this, please. (laughs) (laughs) um but i i really like how these earlier films always had like a message behind them yep i agree i think it's what separates them from films nowadays for sure a lot of people talks a lot about the like atomic or not atomic 
talks about like a lot of the effects of just nuclear energy on the earth because it shows that yeah. island like whenever they're first marching up the island in their suits it's all like dark rocky just broken up and again everything. this is a very sad japan is dealing with the recovery of a fucking atomic bomb still years yeah. after yeah. world war ii so yeah. of course they're gonna make these films that are just all anti-atomic weapons yes yeah um, but then like after they crest that hill and they it's see beautiful. the beautiful green of life still mm-hmm. very much alive and there and working and growing. Yep. And that's very symbolic of the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it sucks because a lot of people know these giant monster films, Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, all these characters. They Can we talk about that? Them. Actually, can we do a sidebar about that? You, you talked about that other side there, how that was an entire mm. set with just matte painting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was such it a once again. I mean, There's once some... again, back in the day, they did so much with so little. They made everything stretch. They, it, it was just a way that, see, to me, I find CGI just can't do the same. No. I agree that CGI can obviously, you know, you can create anything with it. But you got to remember, back then, they had to make all this shit by hand. Someone had to paint that. They had to build that for that scene. So when you crested that hill and saw that, it felt like what it was. The set, all of it. The jungle set itself, it's awesome. It's beautiful. They have all these wacky-looking plants, Mm -hmm. and they're all, like— if they're giant crystals and everything, um, and it's all it's all done by hand. It's they're real. Mm-hmm. Um, it had some really hard Kong Skull Island vibes. Yeah, uh, like in a good way. The production yeah, design was way. on point throughout the entire film. Yes, it really was. Even in the cave scene, uh, if you guys notice that when we do the zoom out, it is still the initial set with the actors in the performance, but it is a matte painting on the exterior. So the mm-hmm. the full thing, it's very similar to a Nightmare on Elm Street four. The Kincaid, I want to say it is whenever they zoom out and it's Kincaid screaming. It is an actual set in the center, and everything surrounding is a matte painting, but they're zooming out on an actual fucking matte painting with an existing set. So mm-hmm. it's it's cool because it's a static. It's like the shot they're playing it around the matte painting, and it's just awesome because it makes such a cool shot and then you <laughs> yeah, zoom in it and it's so seamless and i would so much rather appreciate than a, a fucking matte painting than like some shitty cgi that we see oh in films hell yeah like yeah. early 2000s or even late 90s yeah. yeah i know this uh this may be like kind of odd to equation into this but it, like i'm thinking of paintings in my head uh and i know this may be off subject a little bit but it it still is very uh it's you know in correlation to what tj is talking about with paintings uh the anime berserk the 90s anime was all drawn hand drawn so when they Mm -hmm. showed these established scenes of like backgrounds and castles and forests and and you know all of these mountainsides it was all painted hand painted looked like art it looked like someone sat there and took an oil painting and slapped it on my on my computer screen but then when you watch any modern day stuff, it is so blatantly digitalized. Yep. It's made digitally. It's not someone didn't sit there for who knows fucking how long, 13 hours to draw a scene for five seconds. 
Mm-hmm. Th- that kind of dedication, you just can't get that anymore. It's just not the same. The best way I, the best way you can compare that is with the original Berserk series compared to the recent ones. How it's basically all 3D animation, and it looks like dog shit. <laughs> it, it's very unappealing. Um, it doesn't look pretty at all. Yeah. Um, and even though that the animation from the original series is it's older, sure. But it looks better to your eye. It's also more detailed. It's more detailed. Um, the characters' faces look a lot better. It, it's just, it's just a lot of like, things. It, yeah, yeah it's, there's a lot of things that add up. And when you compare it's just a it testament to, this, to the back, back. It's just testament to the back in the day. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Day, I, the age of building stuff physically making it and that is why i will always defend movies back in the day and that's also why john carpenter's the thing is my favorite movie of all time because jesus christ they made that i don't know how fucking long it took them to make just a scene for five seconds five seconds probably took five hours to make and it's just that is what blows Mm -hmm. my mind that is the dedication that blows my mind and you can fucking see it like it's amazing (laughs) <laughs> and that's why you like look at like the history of like these films like Mothra and Rodan and Gojira and, and you look at what they went through to make these scenes. You know, the suit mm-hmm. actor for Gojira practically almost dying of dehydration on numerous occasions because the suit yes. was so hot. He passed uh, out multiple lot. times. He almost died making almost after that every film. after every shoot. They uh, they would drain like at least a cup of sweat out. That's yeah, how he bad would it was. Christ. They they said that he would they would unzip that suit and he would just fall out of it. He would he was, be so he was, he was exhausted. Um, and what I love about these Godzilla films is, up till two thousand five, they were still doing people in suits and miniatures, mm-hmm. and it looks awesome. And then you have the twenty fourteen Godzilla and the twenty nineteen Godzilla. Yeah. And they're like, it's okay. Cool. Like the the, the, cool. the American ones are cool, but they feel cheap for some reason. They feel you they know feel, it's not. You know it's not real. You know it's not real. Um, your eyes like, oh, it's just CGI. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's that's literally exactly why I prefer these older films because, like, that is. Granted, I know he's it's it's a dude in a suit, but it's physically there. Physically, it exists. It is there. CGI. Also, it just brings it brings a certain charm. I don't know does. why. There's something about a guy in a suit stomping through like a miniature city. It's just pleasing. Yes. <laughs> it's a pretty good dream job, if you ask me. <laughs> get paid to destroy shit. Fuck yeah. I mean, um, that's why like uh, when they had, you know, when uh, the 2019 Legendary Godzilla came out and then they came out, you know, what, like a. A year or two later, they had Shin Gojira come out. Um, so 2014 was uh, the Godzilla by yeah, Legendary the, Pictures. And then in 2016, I believe, 2016, it, was, yeah. it was Shin Gojira. Yeah, I remember because they, they had the battle of like, who's going to be the better one, the OG or the Western version? And it was I like the OG. <laughs> the, the OG Toho, they know what they're doing. Not only do they um, get the director of the guy who created the arguably greatest anime of all time, Neon Genesis Evangelion, to come in and create this movie, but fun fact that a lot of people don't know about that film is that they had a lot of practical effects in that film. There were a lot of stuff that they yeah, did were, with it. 
It was like it was CGI. Yeah. They made like an item that was the shape of something they're wanting, and then they they CGI imposed it on that object. But yeah. like the building that fell apart, or the river scene where like uh, the larvae stage of Gojir, I guess you want to call it that, where he's got the little armless thing going mm-hmm. and he's crawling around. They actually had a giant head, like not an actual detailed head, but it was like a green screened head of him shoving through these miniature cars and water and buildings as he's crawling through it. So it's a seamless mixture of CGI and practical miniatures. And to me, I think that's the way the future of the films. Yeah, it's not like with the American ones where. Yeah, it's not like the way with uh, the American ones where everything cgi and they just yeah they don't have like a set nothing like that like you maybe have like a guy with uh the motion capture suit on and that's it yeah um because i know they did that they did that for 2019 uh they had Mm -hmm. they had three actors play king Ghidorah for each head (laughs) that had to be a a fun set (laughs) because yeah they kind of like had to hold each other and like they did their own thing it's like three guys just sitting there hugging with like prop heads hanging on each arm. No, they, they just like, it's weird. <laughs> all um, right. So I guess I got a bit of a hot take here, but uh, you guys are talking all this shit about CGI, but I actually prefer CGI destruction versus the weird cardboard shit we get from older movies. Not going to lie. I That's do fair. like the older movies, but I also, I feel like there's so much more that you can do with CGI. Yes. It's not really there. Yes, we all kind of know that. But at the same time, you know, with Kong Skull Island, you can see individual hairs because they could just fucking zoom in and then zoom out seamless with this just beautiful CGI going on. To be fair, that was and, Peter Jackson's crew and they did Lord of the Rings. So that that's a pretty high ball. They they had they had the muscle to do that. Fair for enough. Sure. <laughs> Peter Jackson for sure. nailed that. Oh, yeah. But it's Peter Jackson. He took care of Lord of the Rings. I, I would definitely expect him to take care of Kong. God, it's been so long since oh, I've had yeah. rings. But I, I agree with you. I, I can yeah, honestly don't see this time with it. It's three movies of walking that should have ended with the first one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it really <laughs> should have. That's not a hot take, TJ. Just Gandalf use the said, eagles for God's sake. Use the eagles. eagles. <laughs> Fly, you fools. What's the next question? Uh, yeah, continue. Uh. No, I was I was just wanting to just, you know, agree, I agree with you on that, Matt, like with with CGI, how it can bring a form of beauty and light to the newer mm-hmm. age. I think especially nowadays, CGI in comparison, like OG Mothra will always be that OG Mothra look and view that we all see. And to me, in my head, when I grow up, when I am old and showing my young one, you know, my 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 spawn when i show my them behold, my thing <laughs> the godzillas <laughs> and the mothras and the rodans i will always show them mothra and that being mothra 2019 mothra looks amazing beautiful great score yada yada we'll get to that when we finally tackle that movie but it is still that og mothra is mothra to me no matter what Definitely. comes out in the future it is og so what is our final rating from this and we're going across all boards. And of mm. course, putting on the filter of the time period. Um, uh, I'm going with a seven. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten? DJ? <laughs> Cracking open a cold one. Uh, a seven out of ten? Well, we didn't talk about cinematography. So uh, I'd like to talk about cinematography first. Let's get it right. right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, can we talk about how beautiful some of these shots were of Mothra playing in the water? 
<laughs> yeah, I actually wanted oh, to take all on the belly that. flops. <laughs> I wanted to take a, t- uh, a, a tack on that actually, because I was actually impressed with the water action that happened with Mothra because everyone who knows anything about the Toho series, they did, they had this in what was known as the Toho pool, which is this giant big ass, like water tub that they had. And they used for so <laughs> many of those films and, they one, I can just imagine driving by, you know, like, oh, that's a giant turd well, getting a little fire awesome. on Epstein just Island. Keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question for you Was the Toho pool on Epstein Island? If it was, that explains where a lot of Mothras went. TJ, we're not <laughs> trying to get blacklisted here. <laughs> but getting to see, like, the, the scene was actually really well shot. Like, the, the cinematography mm-hmm. shot of the, they obviously, they had a, a camera on a trundle and shot it across the top of the river, you know, tracking Mothra going across the water. But it really did have a good aesthetic look of being, you know, in a helo or in a plane or whatever have you flying over Mothra. They did a very good job. And then when they actually added the, uh, I guess they were putting oil in the ocean. You know, I guess that's cool now. Back they then, wanted, they but... wanted to like burn her alive or something. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like, hey, we have mines. We're not cavemen. We <laughs> fire burn bug, uh, you know, kind of mentality. <laughs> Firework. <laughs> fire burn bug. But, um... Fire bad. <laughs> hey, that shit worked in Starship Troopers. I don't want to hear it. Hey. <laughs> Starship Troopers had some great fucking ideas, and it worked. Yes, it did. You put a nuke on <laughs> a bug hole, you got a lot of dead bugs. I'm doing my part. <laughs> but they, the, the scene where they actually had the, the fire happening, uh, the shot that happened right before everything was lit, to see like the water getting mixed with the, the accelerant and Mothra swimming through it, and then the actual fire engaging was so well shot. All of it was good. Mm-hmm. And then the low lie shot by the water following the fire as it started lighting and then on to Mothra and then watching her have to swim through it. One was gorgeous. And two, they started to realize that putting fire on the water was really inefficient because she just swam past it because <laughs> but that's, but you know, live and learn for okay. the next time. Yeah. <laughs> one, thing <laughs> we never, think, one thing I never I understood the, about uh, movies and like some of them touched on it was like, when they lit her on fire, she just, like, powered through that bitch. But, like, <laughs> they don't realize that, like, you can just swim under the fire because the fire's on go, the surface just, of the water. This shit doesn't go underwater. down. <laughs> yeah. It was great, though, because she just <laughs> swam. Got lit. The whole process was swim, swim, stuff gets dropped in the water. Oh, that's odd. It gets lit on fire. Shit! Goes underwater, <laughs> comes back up. Okay, we're good. And just keeps going. And then the whole, pro- the whole situation was dissolved at that point. And then she they just no gave up. They gave up. They just flew back and like, damn it, we tried everything. Fire no work. <laughs> Fire no work. Panic. Okay, she's in a cocoon. What do? Fire gun. Oh. <laughs> Fire gun. <laughs> Fire gun. <laughs> I've, I've, that's one thing I've always loved in the OG days of the kaiju films uh, when they would shoot these explosion scenes or things along those lines. Mm-hmm. I thought like one, the practical effects have to be on point because someone could probably lose a fucking finger or get a hole blasted in them because they're putting, you know, the little spacks on people to where you'll see the the shots come off and stuff like that. Typical film, you know, magic and show. 
but you also have to film it right. You have to get those right low light angles to where it doesn't show the device. It doesn't show the ignition. It's going to show exactly what you want to show. Mm-hmm. I think they did a very good job showing that when Mothra was going up on the on the tower and bringing it down. Well, I don't know if it, she brought it down. I think they just kind of shot it and it fell down and they said, damn it, why did Mothra do this? But it it was still just the fact that they needed to show that in the right light, in the right angle. But that was also another good shot that they portrayed of showing what is known. I guess I've heard it commonly uh, told as this showing a sense of scale of things. Ah. And I think they had a good way of showing a sense of scale of how big Mothra is, of how much of, you know, how, how big the creature truly was in comparison to what we've seen in past films and, you know, in the films in the future, Mothra just looks like a tiny little, little worm, nothing big. But then in this one, she's enormous. Like she's huge. This is the biggest I've ever seen Mothra other, you know, in any film. And they made sure that they, you felt that sense of scale that you felt, you know, I guess back in that day, I mean, nowadays it'd be just like, dude, just fucking send the, send the, you know, a, a helo in it, shoot some missiles at it. That thing's going to die. But back then, you know, people that, that, that thing's enormous. Like, how are we going to kill this just gigantic thing? that could, it can literally be the size of this tower. If we're not, I mean, careful. shit, bro, just it's wings flapping was like destroying parts of the city, the bridge, yeah. all sorts of shit. Absolutely. Oh, when yeah. she <laughs> emerged and started using her wings, that's where the sense of scale really like yeah. got kicked into 10th gear. Cause everything just started tearing apart from the power tanks, cars, yeah. everything. <laughs> like it was just funny to see like the tanks just be like, okay, we're here. We're going to kill you. This thing just pops up. Whoosh, man, shit. There it goes. <laughs> man, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it just starts it's flying away. Shit goes flying. Yeah. Awesome. And like, I know like this is the introduction of Mothra. So they have to show her mm-hmm. as a monster, a kaiju. And I get that. But then in future films, they show Mothra as being a guardian, a, a, a person that saves people. Do they One show Mothra her as a kaiju kind of as or do they just show her on like a, on a path to get what was taken from her? Yeah. Cause she's yes, really just trying yeah. to guard the fairies. They don't, yeah. They yeah. don't necessarily portray her as some evil character destroying out of like rage. Um, and also, she fully she, stopped once she got the fairies back. She yeah, almost fucking killed that baby. On accident, going through an... <laughs> oh, here's the question. <laughs> killed the baby. Some dude took her fairies, and she's pissed. The baby's gotta die, bro. <laughs> the baby's gotta go, dude. In her no, defense, like, she probably didn't Mothra, see the baby. Mothra's <laughs> basically just on a mission. Yeah, that's how I thought. I never saw, I didn't see her as malicious. Moth on no, a mission. Exactly. She was always a guardian character and would mm-hmm. only fight, like, attack when her fairies were in danger. That was um, one thing I always felt was odd with, uh, you know, when I found out Mothra had her own solo film, it was just kind of like, I just sat there and I'm like, how? She's how? always been yeah. like this. <laughs> she's always been this very it's protective <laughs> and peaceful it's person. <laughs> this, kaiju, this kaiju has always been peaceful. It's never done anything out of rage. It's always been protective and Godzilla's ally, you know, let's go. But then it's like, no, we're going to. Godzilla's gonna... girlfriend. Yeah, Godzilla's. <laughs> big titty <laughs> talking. Big, <laughs> that big titty moth GF. But I like, that's besides I like the I point. Scarred. Like you did Cameron. you did for those of you who don't odd. understand what we're referencing in some weeb cultures mothra is godzilla's wife aka cameron's culture, culture. 
<laughs> it's a uh, it, it is it, it was weird seeing Mothra in a solo film because of like I like I said I just knew her as Godzilla's mm-hmm. ally. So to see her in this light, it was weird because it was seeing her destroy things. But then when you like when TJ and you guys you just came up and said that about the whole like Mothra being more on a mission and not a destructive TJ's about force. To set a studio on fire. Please don't. You <laughs> <Fire bear. laughs> Firework for fire bad. <laughs> but it was just odd to see Mothra in this like sense of like destroying things to achieve a goal, but it just it was weird seeing her out of collateral of damage the other kaiju that's what we're being it. It, like being that like motherly figure, especially in Destroy All Monsters, where Rodan and Godzilla were actually fighting like children, and Mothra's pretty like, yo, stop. Yeah. Like, hey, yo, can you like quit the shit, bro? <laughs> That's We're it. trying to chill. I'm getting the belt. <laughs> I'm trying to vibe. <laughs> I'm just vibing being a bug right now. <laughs> I'll definitely say that uh, cinematography-wise, I think the film was very well done, especially for the time and age, with what they had to work with, with everything that they had created. I, it, it's hard, especially after, you know, Gojira, when it came out, it really set the bar for cinematography, for, mm-hmm. you know, pacing, for everything. It set the kaiju bar, whether it wanted to or not. It set it for the future films and everything to come after, it, regardless of even if it was Gojira or not, any of I think, Rodan. I think the entire movie as a whole was well-rounded. It, I thought it was a happy medium of everything. It wasn't, like, too much on the action. It wasn't too much focusing on the characters. Um, every character was memorable. Um, like sure. Nelson, the greedy bastard. Um, he, he's just like inherently evil. He's it's an awesome, awesome supervillain. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I say this is probably the most well-rounded. I felt that it was a solid, like just, you know, stamp of, yes, this is a kaiju film. Like mm-hmm. the one thing I will take from it is that it had the character subversion that they had with, uh, old bulldog, you know, he was probably the most memorable kaiju character, like human character. I think I, I'm, I'm definitely going to remember him for a while. For, he was, for oh, a rating, uh, what is I don't it? Know, I, I kind of liked my boy Doctor Sarazawa from uh, Godzilla. Oh, I, I mean, saw Doctor Sarazawa was always going to be memorable. <laughs> I saw Sarazawa. I'm just like, uh, look at Toho. They recycle everything. Uh, <laughs> you'll see, you'll see a lot of characters reappear, like from other Godzilla films, for sure. Hey Matt, what's the rating out of? Uh, it's out of ten. It's out of ten. Ooh. Yes, one Get a lot of ten. space to wiggle. One is absolute space. space garbage. Ten is amazing. Okay, so I'm gonna give Mothra uh, a seven out of ten. Out I'd of 10. have to agree with a seven out of ten. I was looking at the uh, online reviews and it was saying that like Metacritic or not Metacritic. I think IMDb gave it like a six point six. That seems like, about right. Basically, all the other ones were kind of around the bad. same area, too. Oh, yeah. So, I feel like a seven. For really an old Godzilla, Godzilla like kaiju film, it's not bad. For sure. I think I'm going to keep the, the same rating with the rest of you boys. I think I'm going to keep it at a seven. I think it was solid. Film was good. Uh, like I said, memorable characters. Kaiju was great. Mothra looked at peak performance that she's looked mm-hmm. at in years, other until the later film where her suit got redone. Until Big Titty Moth GF. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was uh, great. TJ, we need a T-shirt that says "Big Titty Moth GF." <laughs> oh, come on! We need it, TJ. 
<laughs> Mothra with a set of titties. <laughs> I'm dreaming about moth titties. It could, it could be Mothra with a big set of titties, and it can be Matt and Cameron and Austin in little form in little cage. Yes. <laughs> We're wearing like the twin fairies outfit. Yeah, Mothra's carrying yeah, you in the outfit. cage with the titties. Mothra's carrying yeah. you in the cage with the titties. That's the. Whole thing. I'm about yeah. it. Gonna be I'm about great. it. Let me we, get. We let's need go. that. I'll, I'll vibe with that. I'll vibe, I'll vibe with, with it. That. Me and Cameron go vibe in the cage for for moth. <laughs> we yeah, need that yeah. and some hashtag. Give me the sauce. Uh, like memorabilia <laughs> yeah. somewhere. <laughs> but, it sauce, but it has to stay all father. But it has to stay all father. It has to be give me the sauce all father. <laughs> give me the sauce. All father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you horny bastards! <laughs> Such is life. Such is life. life. We are men of culture. Where are we at, Coda J? Where are we at? Uh, well, we can start getting into the comic, but before we do that, I want to give our YouTube channel a shout out. I want to get our viewers to start looking at our uh, Project Louder YouTube channel, where me and TJ, uh, you're gonna see our or my horrible aim and TJ's poor, uh, what would you call it, like quick time response? Yes, on Dead Space Three. <laughs> My piss poor I'm aim. amazing at combat. <laughs> Horrible at quick time things. He's piss poor at combat. Amazing at anything else. And it's just, oh. <laughs> I'm amazing at everything. It's just I don't play a lot of, like, I don't really play a lot of, like, first-person shooters, so my aim is, is not all that great. No. <laughs> Get good. The horde, Get good. It's, it's normally I'm finishing off people and then turning around, and Matt's got a bunch of necromorphs on him, and I'm just... <laughs> trying to clear and it out before they kill him. <laughs> and every single time we were going through a quick time event, he would Boom. fucking die. <laughs> like, I, I'd go through flying colors and he would just fucking die. You could hear him screaming <laughs> about these quick time events and how bullshit they are. <laughs> I hate it so much. Uh, I feel so fucking empowered as a man rock, walking through <laughs> dead space, just fucking murdering everything. And then I'm just like, fuck, a cutscene. <laughs> well, it's because you have that end-game weapons. Yeah. <laughs> so, our comic book for this episode is The Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 252, which takes place, I believe, right after the Secret Wars story arc. Indeed. I, I believe so. Yes. And uh, we're definitely going to review that story arc on a different day. But uh, this one was like... I, I want to say it's like the first real, like look at spider-man in his black suit just just with spider-man like not with all the other stuff going on you know like just spider-man talking about like how great the suit is how it's like transforming and stuff like that you know and of course the most useful skill that it has which is the crotch wallet pocket <laughs> that threw my ass off it's called the pp pocket yeah the pp pocket <laughs> Fucking pee pee pocket. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that took me aside when I saw it. Like, shove yeah, I was like, dick. I was like, hold up, am I on the right site? <laughs> I feel like I went down a rabbit hole that I should not have. <laughs> but uh, it was quite the short comic, only 29 pages long. Uh, I would. I would like for us to uh, start like covering a whole story arc, maybe on like a few separate episodes. But I mean, we just wanted that Venom fix, and we got sure. that Venom fixed. 
<laughs> TJ over there getting excited. <laughs> I'm just prepping these veins, baby. <laughs> For that venom fix. <laughs> hey, hey, TJ, I'm having difficulty with your audio. I can't, like, I can't yeah, hear your you. audio is kind of funky. Getting yeah. a little muffled, my friend. Oh, that's because of this. Uh, now you should be able to hear me just fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, loud and clear. What was Beautiful. That? It's because Discord's freaking stupid, and I turned on noise suppression, and it just killed all my sweet noise. Oh, my God. Well, there you go. You sound right as rain. Thank you. You, you really do. <laughs> now, even though this is a short comic, uh, I really enjoyed how you could see, like, some of the effects that the suit was having on Peter. So, like, uh, him laying in bed, not being able to sleep, and then him saying, you know what? I'm, I might go swinging around, and the suit just slithers across the room onto him. And then and, he like, kidnaps, like, a couple. Exactly. He kidnaps a couple. He pushes his limits. He literally breaks his triple somersault record. He's just doing all this stuff because the Venom suit eats adrenaline. And he doesn't realize that yet. So he's like doing all this crazy stuff, just burning off so much energy and just heart racing. Everything's going on. It's going great. And I just love that you get that first look at how it's like really affecting him. Yeah, for sure. That and I really liked it. Plus, we also get a cameo well, from the Avengers. We do get a True. cameo of the Avengers, and we also get a look at my favorite white-haired woman, Black Cat Felicia Hardy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn. <Woo. laughs> we are right, in the midst name. of their... You gotta do the fuckboy pose. Come on. Tongue and lip, stroke the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there Damn, you go. girl. You got like, you got Instagram or something? What? <laughs> I like how like You're Peter comes back, back, right? Up, bro. Peter comes back from like this other dimension and the first thing he wants mm -hmm. is pussy and food. Exactly. Boy grabs pizza. Boy tries I mean, to get fucking does <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but like, tell me if I'm wrong or whatever, but uh, Peter enjoys the finer things in life. Yeah, the P and P, the pizza and pussy. Pizza and pussy. <laughs> the two P's, pizza and pussy. Oh my god. <laughs> and uh, I, I do like my boy J. Jonah Jameson getting a little bit of spotlight in this. Of he course, he can to shit twist. on though. A new boss man's not treating him too well. Oh no no no! He's like, he's like I don't give a fuck about your antics. Spider Man. He's like, I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> like, like James is just like, hey, I wish we could talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, how Spider Man probably had a hand in this. Like, I wonder what he had to gain. And the dude's just like, no, no, no we're not doing this no, anymore, no. you crazy fuck. We've done this for two hundred and fifty-one issues. We're not doing it anymore. <laughs> like our ratings have gone to shit. People wipe their yeah. ass with our toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> people buy our to or our newspaper because it's cheaper than toilet paper and use it as such <laughs> that that's our network if i keep making epstein jokes oh yeah no, <laughs> TJ, TJ, i'm just waiting for your door to i'm just waiting for your door to open up to some dudes in suits and they're just gonna black bag your ass and you're gonna disappear and it's gonna say tj is disconnected <laughs> don't worry i'll pop up in the dark web in some dungeon in three weeks You'll get, oh, that yeah. you'll get that Hillary hit squad. Yeah, yeah. Really quick. And, then, and then and then somehow you'll end up in prison for something like domestic terrorism. Oh no, they'll never find the body. I'm pretty sure the lizard people will eat what me. What the fuck? Oh yeah, True. that's fair. That's fair. True. <laughs> Got to get them lizard people. And speaking of lizard people, shout out to my boy Kurt Connors for making an appearance in this one. Fucking love Kurt Connors. Very much so. Connors is a very good character. His arc through the entire Amazing Spider-Man saga from him being 
just a desperate man trying to achieve a goal to getting corrupted by and the power. Another interesting thing, since we want to mention the lizard, do we know how long his uh, web balls last, and under what conditions do they last longest under? <laughs> there's uh, a there's in the Spider-Man dictionary there is a a segment I used to have. It's like this big. I, ass I know book. how long spider balls last. <laughs> <laughs> it's this big ass like a uh, book I used to have that has like a segment of his web fluid on like how long. The web fluid lasts before it dissolves. Uh-huh. Well, if you and take, if you take the uh, '90s animated Spider-Man show, which I used to have on VHS, I used to watch the show. No, 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 no. Uh, I remember was awesome. I, I remember he had this. He was like, uh, I forget what the like what the reasoning behind it was. I just remember this flash of it. But he made this swing out of this web for this little girl, and he told her that she could only use it for like four hours before it started to break apart. Now I don't know if that's you know, in canon with the comics or anything, but no, I think they did that to like reassure the viewer that uh, a bunch of the webs aren't just left around New York city. Probably, but it was still a very nice heartfelt moment. Could you imagine the city (laughs) hiring somebody to like clean up Spider-Man? Scrape off all the webs. (laughs) (laughs) Some guy out there's like, fuck you, Spider-Man. And you just sit there scraping off fucking webs. Oh, and just imagine as soon as he scrapes <laughs> off that jump. one spot, as soon as he scrapes off that one spot and starts to move to the next, Spider-Man swings by again. And it's Think of all the cranes spot. he's hanging off of and like how dangerous that is, like for people working. Like if that shit mm-hmm. was staying on there, like it would catch on shit, like wrap stuff up. <laughs> Be like, fucking Spider-Man! <laughs> okay, so here on the the wiki, I wanted to look this up myself. As far as like how long Spider-Man's webs last, it's changed over the years. Uh, originally, it was only supposed to last about about one hour. In the original Amazing Spider-Man comics, it was it was originally for one hour, but in the later comics, it was described as a new formula of being up to four hours. So it's changed. So I guess in in context of what we're talking about right now. Probably about an hour it was supposed to have sat there. Mm-hmm. But they, I, I really don't think they were meant to, you know, go to another dimension for like weeks. <laughs> also, he's not using his web shooters with the Venom suit. He is using yep. Venom's self-produced webbing. <laughs> so that, that could be. <laughs> yeah, I'm a self-producing webbing later. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, TJ, what do you think about the comic, man? Fucking loved it. Uh, the artwork by uh, Ron Frentz and Claus Jansen, yeah, awesome work by both of them, written by Tom DeFalco and Roger Stern. I'll have to say, dude, it was visually amazing, and then uh, the dialogue was written very well. Uh, the story was awesome. I also love some of the editorial notes. Those are pretty entertaining. Uh, if you guys didn't notice, that there was one panel that was like an alternate cover that they literally just put in there. The yeah, panel. just to do it. Yeah, just yeah. they, they transitioned it that. into the daily. They they transitioned it into the paper, which I thought was a very they literally didn't want to waste that artwork. And they're like, okay, we'll put it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very tug-in-cheek, and it was very very well done. Yeah, it's cool. It's almost meta, you know? It's a, it's a it meta is. comic. It starts that way, and then halfway through it, it, it kind of dips back into it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm happy that we chose a comic from 84 and not something from, like, modern Marvel, because modern Marvel's fucking garbage. And everything <clears throat> is anything <clears throat> since uh, uh, the, D, the MCU started. I'm sorry. 
What? 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 <laughs> Anything that's modern, modern Spider-Man. Spider listen, the back they cater to modern the movies so garbage. they cater to no, no. Listen, the comics. <laughs> listen to me. The comics, <laughs> the Marvel comics as a whole, cater way too much to what they're doing cinematically and focused way too much on catering to that universe rather than focusing on what the old things were. It's just, I just felt like they, they changed direction all to cater to that now new universe and everything's that style of writing now. The I new Marvel, that, but I would have to say one, uh, two of my probably favorite story arcs of all time across all ages of Marvel have to be between Secret Empire and the Spider-Verse comic. Like and those those are pretty recent if we're talking you know relative. What's the, but what's I recent? think I'm sorry. Wasn't that wasn't that 2018 or 2017 for Spider Verse? Spider Verse. Uh, I have the comic. Let me go check real quick. I believe that's a tw a 2018 or 20. I think it's 2018 or 2017 is when Spider Verse came that, out. It's that late? I thought it was. Spider Verse was fairly recent. That was a very big event. It, it span. It was a Spider Verse. It, it spanned over a multitude. When did of we first comics, get introduced then, into Miles Morales? I don't know. I know that Miles Morales was introduced into this into being Spider Man through the uh, into what was that comic series that he took over? Uh, two thousand eleven. 2007 is when Miles came in? 2011. First appeared oh, two in August of 2011, Ultimate Fallout number four. Following yeah, the death okay, of yeah. Peter Parker. So we first see Miles in 2011. Mm hmm. Okay. And see, I, I catch a lot of flack for people when I talk Marvel to them because they, I, I tell them I'm, I, I don't like Miles. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I'm not a huge fan of Miles. And I know that can get to be a bit of a dicey subject that a lot of people don't like to converse about, but it has nothing to do with who he is. It, it's more along the lines of how he is. Exactly. Miles, Miles is, is given everything. He's given more powers. He's given a suit. He's given everything. Peter and all the other Spider-Man Spider people. made spider people. Yeah, let's be, let's be politically <laughs> correct here. It is. It, they are. They earn or build all of their stuff that, to create having access to the spider verse give him an edge over all other spider-men i would i would i would say so okay because now he has, would, he has that mentorship that. that nobody else had you know what i mean exactly he's able to talk about especially against like peter from 616 earth 616 who had you know gwen die he literally has lost so much in there and that he's able to tell him the mistakes and the way to, you know, properly use his power instead of just being like, Oh, I can save everybody. It's like, look, you got to realize you can't. You, sometimes you're not going to be able to make that save of that kid that, you know, fell out of a tree and he'll break an arm, break a leg. Okay. That's life. Can't do anything about that. But when you have 30 people about to fall out of a building and die, and you save them, but then one person dies in a car accident. You know, you can't save everyone. And trying to save everyone is Peter's biggest flaw. Yeah. He wants to be like, cause because of what uncle Ben said of, you know, with power comes great responsibility, yada, yada, yada. We've all heard it a thousand times. It is a double-edged sword that Peter lives by. That is not only his greatest moral compass, but also his greatest stab in his side uh -huh. because it, 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 it torments him especially after Gwen dies after he loses Gwen, 
Peter, that whole moral compass of his gets flipped. He doesn't know what's right, what's wrong. He, he even gives up being Spider-Man. All right. I'm coming back at TJ because I found the uh, I found both of my comics for Spider-Verse and The Secret Empire. Secret Empire is a 2017 comic book, and Spider-Verse is a 2014 okay. comic book. Okay. Oh, so can we say that Spider-Man's the exception <laughs> of my declaration there? <laughs> I just want to give TJ just a little bit of shit. Okay. <laughs> That's all I want to do. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and, and that and I will say that that of the Marvel films and me being a very well outspoken DC fan, uh I I oh, have I only DC seen so I have only seen Spider-Man films that have come out uh I in theaters. I've only watched them when I got home. Like I don't watch any of the new Marvel films. I, I just I have no interest in that. I haven't for the last 10 years. I'd much rather yeah. sit down and even watch a shitty Justice League movie over a fucking Avengers film because for some reason it triggers the inner kid in me. And seeing Flash and Superman race is just like, oh, Ooh! dude, I loved that. Right? Oh, my God. My fanboy in me was just like. <laughs> to me, my, my fanboy moment in those movies, like the, the Justice League, I guess if you want to chalk, you know, Batman versus Superman and Justice League in the same because they were Dawn of Justice, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. To me, my inner like, uh, was Batman literally beating the unholy shit out of those guys in the warehouse of Batman yes. versus Superman. Yes. Because that to me was the most accurate representation of Batman combat we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Hundred percent. Don't get me wrong, Bale. He did a good job. He did a wonderful job. I think Arguably that Ben the, Affleck presents a more powerful Batman, like strength wise, and he absolutely. And it's and it's not just so much like his like his uh, appearance, but the way he presents himself is he is a guy that is aware that he is a stronger fellow than uh, the normal people, and that he also absolutely. and that he's also rich on top of that. So it's like yeah. it's that layer that Christian Bale he just had like that Bruce Wayne that oh I'm rich and I have some I have like I'm dark you know I'm dark but like Ben I'm Affleck is more like I know who I am I know how good I am and this is what I can do and mm -hmm. and I feel like a confident Bruce Wayne is better for me Oh exactly I agree. Right. Yeah. like you could totally see it like just in the scenes where he was like going to the gala or whatever where Lex Luthor was, you yeah. know, and they were just talking. You could see his just Bruce Wayne bravado showing out. Mm -hmm. And like, not only just as Batman, but as Bruce Wayne. And I feel like that made like a really nice I think mix. he's a lot less emotional than the way that Christopher Nolan uh, displayed Batman in the three films of his. Yeah. 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 I actually had a discussion the other day with a buddy of mine online. I was, uh, I was on the road driving and me and him started talking about Dawn of justice. And he was saying that it's like the one gripe he had was, it's like, it is called Batman versus Superman. And we got like a 20 minute fight scene of Batman and Superman. I said, no, no, no kind, sir. It is Batman versus Superman. Dawn of justice. It is not just their film. This is a film setting up films. Yes. It mm -hmm. cannot just be Batman versus Superman beating the shit out of it, one another for two hours. I explained this to someone best the other day. This film will best be appreciated when the DCEU is finished. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Because you'll be able but to I, go back and everything will be connected. Like once Flashpoint happens, that Flash scene oh, and, and, and Dawn, Dawn of Justice will be like, All oh, of it. Just it makes sense. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It'll come full circle. When the Snyder Cut really comes will. out, you'll be like, oh, this makes sense now. This is what it was supposed to be. Like, 
we just have to be patient at this point in order for everything to pay off. And I think that's how it is. Ignore Suicide Squad and the bullshit that is that and enjoy it for what that is. But if we're going to talk about establishing the DCEU, I think they've done a hell of a job. It's just that we haven't given them time. I agree. And I also have the ideology that I believe that like nowadays, if they, I think nowadays we're spoiled. Yeah. If that if, if Batman vs Superman would have came out in the nineties, people would have shit their pants. They would have yeah. lost their fucking minds. It would have been the greatest movie ever to come out. Yeah. Even if it was only a five minute fight scene, like exactly, <laughs> exactly. But nowadays, no, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be exactly in line with not what the comic has, but what's in everyone's individual minds. And if it's not, if there's a hiccup, if there's a hangup, or if it makes you think. It's immediately inherently bad to that person. Such as the Martha scene. Martha too. The Martha scene. <laughs> yep. Everyone bitches about it. Everyone complains about it. And don't get me wrong, I understand. After I saw it the first time, I was just like, the fuck? But then I watched <laughs> it again. And then I started thinking about it. And I realized he's not triggered by the fact that Martha was his mother's name. He's triggered at the fact that this alien he's been trying to kill for almost two fucking hours that I've sat through. He's Very been talking about human. killing this. He's humanized now. Yes. And it finally gets it finally gets through Bruce's blood rage to where he's about to commit murder. And he's just like, you know, why did you say Martha's name? And everyone's like, oh, it's his mom. That's fucking stupid. Batman's smarter than that. Bruce is smarter than that. He is realizing now that this this thing he has been worried about is now a person. You know what you it's just did? Human. You just you just pretty much supported the fact of why Ben Affleck's better than anything else for Batman. Yes. Because what you showed is that Batman was cool and calm and collected until the very end of that movie where he was pushed to his fucking limit. And then was forced <laughs> to do it. So you just pretty much just proved our fucking point of why. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, watch Dark Knight. Watch Dark Knight, okay? And watch how Batman is just a fucking mess the entire movie emotionally. Yes. And it, there's no buildup. It's just whoop, 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 the whole fucking time. Now you watch Batman versus Superman. It's like a fucking steady rage build to that final scene. And it's just like Super Batman versus Superman. And you're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like the whole yeah. movie, Bat, Bat, you know, Ben Affleck is sitting there. Bruce is just getting pissed and pissed yep. and pissed and pissed. He's losing more and more control. And then finally, like you said, right at the cuspice of where he can end it all, his mission will be accomplished. His goal that he has been after for nearly two hours will be done. It is sealed. It is dealt with. He hears one word snaps him out of oh. it immediately and it makes him think he's like you shouldn't care about that mm-hmm. and it's not just like oh why'd you say my mom's name i mean like i'm not gonna sit there and just be like if someone calls my mother's name i'm just gonna be like okay well fuck you too pal bam and i'm done like <laughs> I, i've been doing this for two hours i'm ready to go home so <laughs> you know no he he literally hears the name and it registers more than just a name yep. and that's what people don't understand and it's like i said because we're spoiled we don't fucking use our brains and we don't think we just hear martha his mom name his mom name equals sad boy sad boy sad boy they're friends now no he's understanding that this powerful creature that could have killed civilization 10 times over by now is more human than half the people he puts in jail and cares about someone that's why he stops and that's why i defend batfleck and I always will. Okay, so uh, probably should go back to the comic. 
Yeah. You get me in a, in a Batfleck argument, I'll argue it. But back on track with our Spider-Man that we're talking about here, back to, to the first time we're seeing black suit Spider-Man or the symbiote suit. I will agree that I liked the, the comic was great in finally getting to see Peter trying to adjust back to a normal life. You know, he was missing bills. He even missed he the fact that he own pussy. He came very much. <laughs> so he did. And he, he missed the fact of getting his bills of having a normal life and mm-hmm. being able to get that sense of more, you know, norm- normality back in his life. And, you know, when he finally does start returning to that sense of normality, he realizes that he can't. Something is wrong. The suit may be benefiting him in ways, but there, he's starting to realize there are negative repercussions to it. But the scene that really, you know, the panel that really made me interested is when he did basically kidnap two people and put them on a building. He, that conversation he had about looking at life and seeing that there is beauty in everything was very odd like it was just this almost it was almost villain monologuing it was and especially (laughs) considering that he's in the symbiote suit that is like feeding off of his adrenaline his rage and his anger Mm -hmm. and his emotions and then he's sitting here talking about how beautiful life is and then as a person who knows what the symbiote suit does and how it behaves and what it does hearing him talk like that to these other two people granted he did it in a very aggressive fashion he still was able to translate peter through all of it Mm -hmm. even though the symbiote suit made him even though he, the symbiote suit made him go about it in the most drastic way possible he was still able to have peter come through and talk about stuff to these people and try to dissolve the situation instead of escalating it in a way that the symbiote suit would have wanted so it still shows that he very much still has control and he isn't to that point of losing it yet mm-hmm. all right guys so what is our final thought and rating for this comic book now, it is only 29 pages, but I feel like each panel really told just a great story. And in my opinion, I'd say it's like... I think it's a good uh, setup for what everything that is, is to come in the story arc. I think, like exactly. I said earlier, it's really well written, really well drawn. I think mm-hmm. that it flows well, and I think it's, it's a good introduction. Uh, I was legitimately angry that it ended up... Fuck, I'm gonna read more of that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it, it very much did. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I think that this is just, you know, it's OG Marvel. It's OG Marvel as much as it can be. It Mm -hmm. it tells it's more focused on a story. It's not focusing on a narrative. It's not Mm -hmm. focusing on a, you know, a pre-established universe because it's establishing it itself. Mm-hmm. It's making its story. It's creating TJ, its own tale. <laughs> it's creating a tale. And that's what old Marvel was always good at. And that's why a lot of people miss old Marvel, because instead of it, you know, ro- you know, piggy. It, it, exactly. Instead of it piggybacking off of, you know, pretty colors, let me pander. Let me say this person who has like a 0.1% chance of a voice to outweigh the 99.9% voice. You know, no one wants that. It makes everyone else feel excluded. And then the worlds don't exist. It's not the fact that they're not building the world. It's that modern Marvel is not building a world. They're expanding off of the old world and they're just they're bullshitting it as they go. Mm-hmm. Old Marvel created such a foundation that new Marvel, I don't think, will when ever you be gotta able have to a team copycat. just to make sure that things are canon and that things are like caught like 
when you have a continuity team, so you're making sure that you're not repeating yourself, I think that you need to really start a, like thinking back. Like, yeah, yeah, I think you need to go back and check the foundation for cracks. <laughs> this team's getting yeah. pretty big, guys. The passion, the passion's not there. The passion's not there if you're relying on other people to tell you what's not okay to do in the franchise. You can almost guarantee that. I understand that you know Disney buying Star Wars expanded it and everything, but I can guarantee. That there's a lot more people that are sitting there making sure that everything is, you know, lining up with canon at this point because of how fucking massive things are. And that yeah. level was never needed at Lucasfilm with prior. No. No. OG way. Lucasfilm. He really was excited for Mandalorian. Because two. there was a point where George, George Lucas was like, maybe I shouldn't care so much about this medium and this medium. Focus on what I'm doing. Because, like, the expanded universe before Disney's buyout was a free for all. Oh yeah, it was every it was a dude, it was a it was a wild west of space. The Whoa. books were just insane. And they that's are just got the best stories <laughs> though. Oh yeah. <laughs> dude, you you think any other like Jedi or anyone's OP expanded universe Luke is fucking busted nerf Woo! expanded universe Luke. Nerf him. He is so ridiculously strong. And in the because of that, universe. that's why people hate The Last Jedi. Because of that exact fucking reason. Because they expected that Luke and they got this fucking art piece that ex that talks about mental health. And they're like, what the fuck? He's an old what hermit. <laughs> Where'd badass Luke go? <laughs> but no, well, for my guys, rating, uh, I'm going to give this fucking thing like a 9 out of 10. Oh yeah, no, I, very great, definitely great buildup. Nine out of ten, I can agree. Nine out of ten for me as well. Wonderful work, beautiful art, great story beginning, and it's um, it's classic Marvel. You can't beat it. Classic Marvel. Its length Same gives it, it. Its length prevents it from its ten out of ten. And also, I just want to point Same. out, it's it's nice being able to go back to these older comics and seeing. Uh, black clothing being portrayed with a blue shine. It, it just has yes! blue <laughs> sort of weird like, charm to it, you awesome. know? It like blue purple hue that comes oh, yeah, through yeah, somehow. Yeah. yeah. It, like it's nice to have that little charm to go back to because modern is just black, you know? It's just black. It's just black. There is no like color to it. It is no. just dark. It, it It's boring. Yes. I think that's why I like that Amazing Spider-Man uh, 90s show. Mm-hmm. Because they did that, and they had like that. Yeah, like like style. Venom, exactly. Venom and Spider Man when he obtained the symbiote suit in that series, it had a purple hue to it, the like purple and dark red hue. Yeah, that just I love that. made the color pop more than just a solid black, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, I think that'll wrap us up for this episode. Thank you guys for viewing us, and uh, this is your host Quarter J signing out. Cameron. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, Matthew, you ever send me that gay shit again? I'm going to be mad at you. <laughs> hey, Alvin. Hey. It's up? time for you to sign off, man. Well, this is the first time, so guys, thank you. I, I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm having a wonderful time so far. Oh, we already love you. <laughs> can't wait for the future stuff. and I'm, I'm excited for to get more content, get more kaijus, and get more comics in more screams exactly uh thank you guys for having me on on as a guest i absolutely love this show and i uh love listening to it each week and uh believe it it is our honor <laughs> absolutely bro i appreciate you saying that so see you guys till next time bye, -bye. till next time